You're listening to Version Control, Pounding Grain's digital news podcast. Everyone knows that Instagram is a social media powerhouse, but are we using it to its full potential? In this episode of Version Control, we're digging into the ABCs and the 123s of Instagram. Instagram now boasts over 1 billion active users, and over 80% of those follow a business. It's certainly no secret in this day and age that if you aren't leveraging the power of the platform that averages 58% more engagement per post than Facebook, then you're missing out. Instagram's success rests in its versatility. Social media is a visual medium, and Instagram exploits that fact to fantastic effect. Currently, video posts receive 38% more engagement than image posts. We're like moths to a flame when we see movement in the app. And if you're on the gram to do some money making, you're in luck. One in three of all videos watched and engaged with on Instagram are from businesses. But all of this is obvious, right? The only thing that is ever sure in the social media game is that it's constantly on the move. Staying ahead of the curve is a full-time job. As we roll into the pick-heavy season of summer, it's a great time to kick your personal or professional brand into high gear. So let's dig into it. What are influencers up to? Who's killing it on Instagram? What trends are coming down the pipeline? And have we entered the end of the era of likes? Version Control presents Instagram Everything. It's been a while since we've had a conversation about the everyone's favorite beast of a social media platform, Instagram. It's, it's interesting time for them because 2019 is either, I mean, even though we're a quarter into it, it's either going to be like the year of Instagram or it's the year everybody bolted from Instagram. Because mm-hmm. um, there's evidence of both things that could possibly happen. It's very quickly becoming like for old people. Um, but at the same time, as a platform, they keep evolving and creating new things. So it's hard to, it's hard to leave it. Yeah, and I actually had it really early on, like 2010 or 2011. It's, my old, old profile exists somewhere, and it's so different. Like, mm-hmm. the filters are all so, like, the, what's it called? The vignette corners? Yeah. Vignette, yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird that it used to just be, it wasn't a social platform. Mm-hmm. I, like I remember f- when my friends were like, they like, you would take pictures with Instagram, put your filters on them, download them, and upload them to, to Facebook, which is super weird, <laughs> but that's what it used to be like. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting just to see where it, where it's come and I guess it's like it started off quite not slow but like it wasn't the beast that it was that it is now like right away it kind of happened after Facebook bought it and they joined forces and kind of created this this massive platform and of course once they introduced stories and stole of Snapchat's thunder a lot of people who had never really even gotten onto Snapchat was able to just integrate that sort of um, story aspect right into something that I was already using. Mm-hmm. So also, um, now that we're kind of going back in time, I'm remembering that there basically was a time when um, there wasn't really a photo platform for celebrities, like big, like A-list named celebrities. Like Twitter was a thing. Twitter was before Instagram, right? Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, but not that much before, and that's mainly a, you know word platform but i remember there was a time when it was like a thing like oh my gosh so and so has opened an instagram account it's like a big deal so that was probably a big shift in in how we consume media and like how social media works because along with celebrities using it you know was like the rise of influencers and then the curated feeds and like all the care put into it um but now there's definitely like a shift back to 
less curated feeds or still curated and care put into it, but like having more authenticity. It's interesting you you mentioned influencers as well, because I feel like with in 2018, 2017, 2018 is when it really kind of made its huge statement on on what influencers are and, and their power. And 2019, I feel like already the multi-million follower uh, count is becoming less important for influencers. And now micro-influencing is, is sort of like the game to play at this point. So it's like the really powerful people with just under 10,000 followers, but just a really good following. They've curated their feed. They know how to do it really, really well, as opposed to just like, this person has 650 million followers. Let's get them to put our face cream up there. Yeah, they lose the authenticity. You don't trust them as much when it's that big. Mm -hmm. Not to mention it's way more expensive. So Mm -hmm. if you're a smaller brand looking for a niche market, going for those micro-influencers is the way to go. Um, Do we still trust influencers in general? I mean... Is, is an influencer a dirty word in 2019? Well, I think so, and that's why they threw micro in front of it. I mean, <laughs> that, that, well, that fixed it. I'm yeah. That, well, Actually, like, creator is uh, the new thing that I yeah, keep seeing I popping up as opposed to influencer, which is, I mean, a euphemism, I suppose, because there's not much different happening there, I don't think. I think what it's saying, though, is that you're following me for the merit of my work and not my face. I'm not sure, though. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's different types of influencers, too. I mean, some people are just, like, design influencers where they just have really cool designs. They never show their face kind of thing. But how often do you hear somebody say, influencer, ugh. Every day, multiple right. times. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Including influencers themselves. Yeah. Some of them are like, oh, I don't want to be called an influencer because that can have a negative connotation of, like, there's so much responsibility, right? If you have a large following and a big platform and you are influencing your followers especially if they're young so i think a lot of people want to be influencers to be honest yeah. it seems like so yeah it, it seems like a really lax gig if you ask me although i, I think just i don't think com- i'd be able to do it no, no but come back to come back to the like turn away from curated feeds it's like everybody wants to be an influencer but you don't want to look like you're putting too much effort into it it's like that's weird double standard that's the reality of like the fraudulent lives we all live on instagram period though right. which is that's like when when people give the air quotes around curated when they're talking about Instagram, really all they're saying is like, oh, the life I wish people knew I lived. Right. And I don't think that's ever changing. So is Instagram played out in 2019? Are we moving on to the next thing? We all know there's a lumbering beast in the background that's mm-hmm. coming for Instagram. Mm-hmm. But Which uh, we'll be talking about in a subsequent episodes. Yeah. So let's not dig too deep into that right now. Yeah, I'm going to, so on our Snapchat versus Instagram podcast which was probably two years ago now mm-hmm. a year and a half maybe i picked snapchat as or no no no, no i picked instagram as i lawyer. picked snapchat you picked i snapchat. rode hard for snapchat yeah i yeah. was like this thing is not going away it's innovative it's, and i think like within two months it died it died yeah so i may be like the the jinx on this whole i thing. definitely need to go back and listen to it again because whichever one it was I mean, obviously not that hard, but I was vouching for it pretty hard too. Um, my money this time, I think, is still on Instagram to be the king of 2019. I think 2020, that's up for debate because everything moves so quickly. But And as everything moves so quickly, I mean, these any platform or app that comes out would have a shelf life of maybe five years tops before it's not cool anymore. Once mm-hmm. it hits, you know, peak saturation. Well, I'm going to... 
I'm going to slightly disagree with that and, and, and slightly disagree with you, Nick, and agree with you, Mark. And I'm, I'm going to ride hard for Instagram this time. And it's not just because of its nature of being a curated photo and video feed. The innovations that they've actually made technologically over its nine-year history, it does significantly change the app experience. Mm-hmm. So, like... I think the the name Instagram can live on, but the the way that the app performs and what it's actually doing is going to drastically change. Like even just this year alone, right? Mm-hmm. Or within the last two years, let's say Instagram TV, even though it's not doing a whole lot, but it's still there. Shoppable gram, grams right now, which is which is massive. Um, micro influencers, which are working the the chat programs within Instagram. I mean, this thing is just it's it's kind of like they're adding more stuff, they're testing, they're bringing it down. So that's kind of what I really respect out of the whole thing. Um, the content itself and the creators, I think are always gonna fluctuate. I think that's like, the, like a lot of creators are gonna go to the hot new thing and then they'll, they'll just treat Instagram as a completely different channel afterwards, but I don't think it's gonna die. Yeah, I don't think so either. My, I'm, my bet's the same as yours, but for another reason. I think Facebook is just too big of a brand to let it die. Like I just don't think it's not like Snapchat where it started dying and then they were they were screwed. <laughs> then they um, made they, glasses. They've got so <laughs> Facebook has so much money. They they I feel like they could fail for 3 years and still revive the thing. No, nothing's been this big. I don't think Instagram's going to fail, but I think that competitors will come along that will challenge it to mm-hmm. some to some extent. Um, and I think possibly like you were just talking about Scott is all these integrations, but it always seems that the new competitor that comes along just simplifies everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, the, the longer life that a platform has, the more they have to add and add and add to stay relevant without stripping things away. Yeah, I, I, I think the thing with Instagram in particular, though, is like, I don't think they actually strip things away. They just de-emphasize certain things. They still have all the filters, you know, like, I don't think I've used a filter in, in years. Um, they still like, it's still primarily like a photo feed for people to scroll through and discover things and stuff yeah. like that. So all that stuff is relatively the same. Um, I don't think it's going anywhere, but I think there's sort of how people access these things and what they're being used for in terms of promotional ways, like the shoppable yeah. stuff is those, that stuff is always evolving. Yeah. I think that's the, the key. Like it's not gonna, at least not time soon, it's not going to die, but it's definitely going to continue changing. Um, and back to your point, Scott, about being like, it's becoming like a platform that old people use. Like, that's kind of an inevitable thing. I don't sound like that. Do I sound like that? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how you sound. That was verbatim. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so <laughs> self-conscious right now. <laughs> um, but because now we are living in a world where children grow up in a digital age with social media, that means that they're constantly, the, the, every so, so few years, there's going to be a generation of kids that are looking for a platform where their parents aren't on. Um, and right now, like everyone's parents are on Instagram, so kids today are looking for um, another platform. And we were talking about this the other day about how my friend, she has some younger um, siblings and, and cousins, and they've all been turning to Visco, which is really interesting for their, like, kind of like their... Um, sneaky like profile where their parents aren't on so they can post their partying pics and stuff like that and like they're changing the way um apps were like first intended to use so yeah instagram will be around for a while it's just going to change in how like which users are using it i also think and maybe this is just me but i've definitely stopped because i'm not an influencer um so i've stopped like creating as much content but i'm still consuming like i'm still like Mm -hmm. go on and look um mostly at dogs and animals 
but I'm not really like posting as much. And I wonder if that's just me or if that is like a trend where people are like, you know, they only have a couple photos on their feed, but they're more just interested in using it and following who they want to follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, let's. How have you guys' consumption, the way you consume on Instagram changed since it first started? Or even just in the last couple of years, I'd say. Well, like I was almost loath to talk about, but here we are. <laughs> I've uh, dumped Instagram. We had a breakup mm-hmm. about two weeks ago, and I haven't looked back. But I'm not saying that that's a forever breakup. Uh, that was more just like I needed a hiatus. So mm-hmm. that's how my consumption has changed. I think my consumption like all apps are designed to have a slightly addictive nature mm-hmm. and I was susceptible to that. And I think that I needed a little step away. So that's just a personal thing. Yeah. And I don't know if that's necessarily just an Instagram thing. I think people are becoming more aware of their habits on their phones. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried deleting Instagram. I got about three days in and kind of went crazy and <laughs> reinstalled it. Um, but I definitely, I'm like Ivana, like I, I stopped posting so much because it's too hard to curate your perfect Instagram. Mm-hmm. You're and right. that's, like a, that's like a real stress that I have, yeah. which is insane. Like with saying that out loud is crazy, but like I've, I've thought about this probably for 10 minutes a day for the last <gasps> year of like, I have a thought in my head like, oh man, this person's Instagram looks so cool. I hate that mine doesn't look that good. And that's just... I think yours is great. You post lots of cool stuff. Thank you. Well, maybe though that, I mean, apart, that's more normal behavior that we could say that the general population is dealing with more than someone like me who just decided to step away in general. Mm -hmm. But that sort of anxiety is something that would lead the average person to take a step back. Which Mark, by the way, is not an average person. He is a designer. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like that platform is... I don't know. It like it's obviously just so visual that like the entire time I'm on it, I'm freaking out, going, "I wish I did that. I wish I did that. I wish yeah. I did that." So mm-hmm. yeah, in one sense, there would be a lot of pressure on you to have a really popping off feed, but in another, you also have the skills and the eye to create that, and which a lot of people don't as well. Um, but yeah, that sort of anxiety is something that I think has been addressed to some extent with uh, hiding likes, mm-hmm. which we are. Uh, in Canada, luckily, I think, in a position to be able to talk about that right now because I think that that I, I haven't seen any metrics or heard any chatter about how that experiment for us is going. But I also haven't heard anyone that's a huge detractor. So it sounds like it's going pretty well. Yeah, which to me says it's working. Definitely. I now that I think about it, I like I haven't had. I mean, that's like a natural thing that I think everybody gets when they post a photo, they want to see that number go up. Like, I'm not going to deny that that's a thought that I have, but I think lately the last five photos I posted have been without the, the like number and I haven't gone through and like counted or anything like that. So that's good, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Cause I think that that frees people up to be who they really want to be out there. Um, takes away some of that anxiety. I think so, yeah. What about how you use it for content? Not necessarily how you're posting, um, but like, I mean, we all go on, other than Nick at this point, uh, like go on it daily, but what are we used to seeing now as opposed to a few years ago or what are we expecting to see? Um, And like, do you guys hit stories first? Do you scroll the feed? Have you ever actually shopped off Instagram? I personally um, have never really been 
into stories um and I kind of like Nick I'm a bad person to ask for Instagram because um as soon as I'm like oh I feel icky I like don't look at it anymore um I will say though something that I've noticed different is um IGTV kind of was launched and everyone was like now what but they've been starting to make adjustments like they've recently announced horizontal format finally um and they've also they introduced like the ability to put previews on your feed and i think that has helped a lot because one thing that i personally have always hated about instagram is not having the ability to scrub through videos um because oh my god i have to wait a whole minute but um so so that allows you to scrub through the videos is when you post those igtvs videos which i really like so when i'm scrolling th- through a feed and i see that kind of stuff i'm more drawn to it so definitely like videos first um and then like on the other side of though is i because i got a dog i like create a little instagram for him so my friends and family could keep up with him um and so what i did with his account is i only followed like animals and dogs so that's like my happy place. It's mm-hmm. like I'll go onto the Instagram on his account, which is just following things that are just going to bring me joy, and I don't get that icky feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's crazy the world of like pet fluencers because I've been seeing that. I've been contacted by some people, and like it's really interesting. Um, so that's like a growing world. Also, one more last thing, um, I didn't know you could follow hashtags until mm-hmm. recently so that was like a new thing that i started to do too i did not know that either yeah that's actually a really good way to kind of change your feed if you're like yeah. sick of what you're looking at going through a bunch of hashtags and following those is like i don't know that changed my entire feed and my um discover page in like a positive way i, I mm-hmm. i'm not going to follow hashtags for the things that show up in my feed that i'm i don't want um i get like a lot of gym stuff that i don't really want to look at because it's just like shirtless ripped dudes and i I don't want to sit there and be like i wish i looked like that guy um but so i don't follow those hashtags obviously and i just follow like architecture hashtags and stuff and that's what i want my feed to look like so Mm -hmm. it's a good way to switch it Hmm. but have you guys ever um whether it's through a story or through an ad on the feed like actually like tapped on shop um i haven't shopped directly in the app but i recently bought something through an influencer i watched which was like one of my first times doing it through Instagram. Um, you might have heard of them, the Merrill twins. They are two twins. I think they're in their early 20s. They have a YouTube channel. They're super cute, fun, um, and they have a clothing line called True Image. And um, so they were posting a lot about it because they had just launched their summer line and I saw a piece of clothing that I really liked. Um, and so I just took a chance and like clicked on the link in bio, went to it, and I was just like, screw it i'm gonna buy it because even though i would never pay that money for something in store because it's by like small creators um i was more inclined to like spend the money because i know it's going to support them to do what they like to do so so yeah that was my first like instagram inspired purchase and um i really like it so i think for for retail um like using instagram as not just a promotional tool but an actual sales tool is becoming a real thing these days like it's not necessarily just like we gotta get a website we gotta make our stuff look dope on instagram it's how do we sell through instagram and on our website and all these other things as well like it's it's being treated like a shop print lately yeah um i think i can still speak to it because i'm just on pause right now because (laughs) i i have i follow a lot of um bike related material for some reason. Um, well, not for some reason. I like bikes. <laughs> but um, So 
if you enjoy cycling, nine times out of ten you enjoy cycling gear. So I've get I've had a lot of like directed ads in my feed that are just like new gear from startups, which is always some cool stuff that um, I've been inspired to grab. Of course, um, even like Doer brand jeans. Mm. Um, they're kind of stretchy and they like they really have dug into the urban cyclist commuter so of course i saw that and was like well i'm i simply must have them <laughs> yeah facebook slash instagram are really good at serving accurate ads with influencers with the ability to shop on it and stuff like that what started out as like a curated way to share photos has just a hundred percent turned into a commerce machine and then like they're unapologetically doing it which i think is fine um but for some reason, there's even more people on it now because of that. Isn't that, I, I kind of find that a little bit backwards. Like when you yeah. first discovered Instagram, it was like, oh, no ads, only see my friends who take really wicked photos, it's gonna be awesome. And then now it's like, well, now I can shop on it. Well, now I can, um, I can like stuff, I can like favorite stuff. It's basically like a, it's like a lookbook of products in your hand. Yeah, which I think that's why it works. And I think that's why people jumped onto the channel because online shopping kind of sucks like it's not great um i mean i still think that instagram shopping on instagram still isn't a really good user experience it's not it's kind of janky in canada for example like they only show, show us pricing or at least that's what i see um it's not like amazon where it's super easy and quick um but i, I don't know i i hate shopping on pe random people's websites um but if i go to their instagram page like that's way cooler i'd way rather shop that way what they are introducing if they haven't already is the ability for the creators to now track how much their influence is having on the sales mm. of particular items and it's one of those things that like as a viewer or a consumer you're never really going to see that but it's actually a really powerful tool because now it's less about oh you have so many followers um so we're going to pay you x amount of dollars to hawk this product for us but more so oh, you posted once for us, you only have 1,500 followers, but of those 1,500 followers, like 900 people bought something. Like that's an mm -hmm. amazing return. So they can actually prove this stuff now, which is significantly different than years past. So mm -hmm. that's what I mean by it. it's like really leaning into a commerce platform. It's basically a shopping channel now. And for some reason, we're okay with it. I for now. For now. Yeah. Correct. I wonder how long before, because... Uh, right now, you still can't include a link in like feed um, captions, and I remember reading something years ago that like the main reason was for that was so that you know there can't be like it can't come across as super spammy and like um, ads can't like link you out. But now that it's unapologetically becoming that kind of platform, I wonder how long before you know you can either swipe up or click through on a post because that is a big pet peeve of mine as both a person who works in social and someone who, you know, is like looking for the link in bio from an old post and then it's changed and it's just, ugh, that's a headache for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, you bring up an interesting point. I mean, because we all work in social, right? So, I mean, up until now, we've kind of been talking about Instagram as like we're consumers and this is how we use it as, as normal people. But if we put our marketing hats on and, you know, let's just talk business for a second. What can we do with the potential of Instagram for brands and clients and stuff like that? Like what, it, is this a platform that should really be uh, explored for all brands or is it more at this point or is it more sort of like a curated place? Like you should 
only go on it if you're going to be really smart about it. It would be better to have one that's not excellent than to not have one at all. Especially if you're, we talked about this before, especially if you're an up and coming brand or startup and you're trying to have legitimacy and like be seen as an actual entity, like people check for your Instagram to verify that you're a real thing. So definitely have one um, and really play into whatever that brand is. If it's not like, if you're not a huge corporation, don't worry about being perfect and having a super creative feed. Like we were talking about before, Wolfpack, right? Like they play into that authenticity. They have fun with it. They're like raw and real. Um, but they still try. I think the only two mm-hmm. reasons not to, to do it would be if for some reason you decide that you do not want to take conversational tone with your users or your, you know, your buying base, or if you're just going to half-ass it in general, and you know that you're just like, we're not going to invest that much time into doing this, and we're not going to do it very well. But I've seen I've seen Instagram accounts before um, where it'll literally be like the name of the brand or something, and it's like one photo, and maybe it's like, and some big artist celebrities will do this too, like before mm. they launch a new album or something. So I think there's ways where you can legitimize yourself by having a handle and then others can tag you and stuff, but you don't have to necessarily like keep up with hosting every day or even every week. You can be very like minimal. Yeah, I, I know a few people who just have like one Instagram post. Yeah, and then the but they have like, they'll have like 5,000 followers. Yeah, yes, And you're just like, how and why? Well, there's two, two things for that, or like one thing. Main thing is that if you are going to, if you're already popular, and you're already you know you have some like hype album coming out that everyone is already excited for, yes, you can get away with that. Yeah. But if you're trying to build up an audience from the ground floor, you might not. You might want to put a little mm. more effort in than just one post. Of course, yeah. If, same thing goes with a physical product. If you've already built up some hype around it, then you can get away with that. But otherwise, you need you need more. What are uh, what are some of the features? Uh, you guys are excited for either in stories or on the feed just from like a marketing standpoint I know that like on stories there you can just start doing things like branded stickers and, and stuff like that too um, well there's a new donation sticker that's pretty exciting um, which allows a philanthropist to raise money um, in within stories so that's good that one's pretty cool I do find it interesting how like finally brands are adopting stories as a legitimate way to to talk to their consumers and to kind of interact with them but stories is very interesting because there is a there's a time and a place for really polished pieces and if it's not a story ad if it's just like a regular old story having something raw and just like having some stickers and some gifs and and some hashtags on it is actually in my opinion is actually more powerful it kind of has that that story authentic that authentic story feeling to it um and i find that like a lot of brands they they're still treating it like a like a tv channel where it's kind of like it's got to be perfect it's got to be a one-way thing it's going to be like a cool video of something weird that's happening and then at the end we're going to show our product and tell everybody to buy it and i feel like stories as a as a feature is trying to move away from that and and some brands are kind of fighting that notion to keep it as like a traditional ad platform yeah i think the um like you said like as someone who works in social the exciting thing about instagram stories is um all of the different features that are like opening that two-way communication. Um, but also it's, it's exciting because it seems like every week there's something new, whether it's like the quizzes or the countdown, 
And I'm sure Instagram has a long list of ideas that they're just waiting to like push out slowly to like keep the buzz. But um, but I like that. I like that it's constantly like, oh, this is a new tool. How can we integrate this into the so-and-so brand? So that's fun. The next really interesting one is the ability to create your own AR filters. Um, I'm curious to see how that will look in practice. Mm. Um, because previously, it's Facebook Spark AR Studio that allows it, but previously it was only open to select designers and brands yeah. in a beta that yeah. were able to do it. So now the average person who wants to sell products could potentially create an AR filter that would show people how that would look on them. Mm-hmm. See, do I, don't know, I don't know if that yeah. excites me from like a marketing standpoint because I know brands will ruin that one day and that's what kind of bothers me but i was kind of on top of that trend for a little bit and and followed the there was like a very small amount of artists that got access to that stuff and it was like i mean it's almost dying down now um which is crazy but it was a super cool thing to have like i don't know you have like this weird filter ar filter on your face that like no one else has and everybody's like Mm -hmm. asking you like oh where'd you get that where'd you get that how'd you do that um i thought that i got really excited about that stuff that was sweet but if you're the average user how do you create an AR filter that looks good? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so if, if perhaps if you're like a, a makeup influencer and you have created your own shade of lipstick or something like that, that one would be easy enough to integrate. But say you design sure. your hat, I don't know. I think it's all about they're, they're just giving people tools to create stuff, which is kind of cool. I looked at that as like a heat seeking missile towards Snapchat. Because Snapchat AR studio has been around for a little while now. They're the ones that have been going with the brands. Um, and like, it, again, it's Instagram's kind of like, well, you're doing it and we can do it better. We're bigger, we have more money. And you know, that's what they're doing. I, and, and that's the thing, you, however you feel about that, that's not gonna stop. They're still gonna learn from other platforms and they're still gonna have more money and more resources to throw at it to create, you know, what could arguably be a better product every single yeah. time. And that one, I don't know, that I'm okay with that. And it's kind of cool to see those two corporations kind of battle it out. Um, Cause the end result is like, more cool things for us to mess around with and totally. like yeah sure maybe it's it sounds kind of shallow but um it's fun to go on snapchat and make yourself look like a baby and you know that this exists because snapchat is responding to probably the the custom ar stuff that instagram put out mm-hmm. um and i don't know i'd love to see what Instagram's going to do in response to that it's i feel like we're benefiting from it so yeah it's, it's neat. What, what's their version of the gender swap right Respect the hustle. So what are we looking at today, Ivana? My Respect the Hustle is about North Face because they recently tried to beat the system by getting um, like their content up on Google search for like as like number one search result, but for free. So how they did that is they were like, well, wait a second. Usually when you search like travel destinations, um, the first thing that pops up is the Wikipedia page. And as we all know, Wikipedia is like open source and anyone can edit. So they went in there and inputted all their own photos of like their models wearing their product in those different locations into Wikipedia. Um, and that way when you would search like, you know, Grand Canyon or something, um, and it would come up, it would be this photo of like a beautiful Grand Canyon and then like a person overlooking it with their nice North face jacket. 
Um, so I thought that was super clever, but right away they got backlash because um, I'm not sure how long of a time it lasted, but the moderators like caught on quite quite, quite quickly. Um, I think they did 12 of them. They got away with 12 before they like switched them back. Um, some of them they switched back. Some of them just like cropped out the logos. Um, but it was just really funny and, and clever and like. I like the idea because that's like something that I would love to come up with of like, oh, a clever way to like beat the system, a little loophole. Um, so yeah, that's my respect to hustle. Internet pirates. It looks yeah. like though that they didn't expect a backlash because they went on ad age and talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. I will. I think it was kind of like, look how smart we are. Cause right away they made probably before it even launched, they made a case study video of it oh. of like, this is our smart thinking. Check yeah. it out. They probably knew that there would be backlash, but like, all publicity is good publicity, so... That's cool. I like that a lot. Cool, cool. That's smart. Yeah, I actually respect that move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even it gets pulled down, now we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also the photos were beautiful, and it's not like they just put in random photos of mountains. Like, yeah. it was actually of the locations. Yeah, and you so can... They, like, went there. Yeah, <laughs> at least they did their due diligence of, like... And you can upload super high-definition photos to Wikipedia, mm-hmm. too, so that's pretty rad. Awesome. Okay, well, mine's way more boring than that. But it's on topic, so I get points, maybe? I, I don't know. Sure, Definitely. points for One Mark. point for Mark. Well, this is... So, the first time that Instagram has ever worked on me for purchasing a product was last week. Um, and they really got me. It's a Dutch bicycle brand that's based out of Australia. And I happen to be Dutch, and I happen to have spent some a lot of time in Australia. So... I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but probably not. Um, But yeah, they got me real good with their bikes. I purchased a new bike. It's called Lekker, uh, which means good in Dutch. And they're beautiful bikes. And I think their Instagram feed is beautiful. And yeah. This might be... So Mark, I think, is the type of consumer who's very uh, appearances-based. 100%. But this might be the the perfect um, melding of both practicality and appearance if it works out. I'm very excited to see this bike in person to see if this is a purchase I want to make, but I'm glad that Mark's the guinea pig. How'd you mm-hmm. come across it? An, an ad, an Instagram oh. ad. Yeah. It just showed up and I was like, oh, wow, I like that bike. It looks really cool. Clicked on it, said how much it was. I was like, that's a reasonable price. Clicked on that and went, okay, I want this bike. And Based on the specs, you get a fine machine coming. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty nice bike. Obviously, I did like, you know, the classic mark like scour the internet for reviews and did like an entire weekend of of googling this bike but um it it seems like a very good bike so it's in australia right now it should be here in a couple days and i'm excited about that so lecker good job so lecker mine has a little bit to do with tiktok um so we talk about tiktok a lot on this podcast and we're probably gonna be talking about it more in the coming weeks but this kind of just came down the newswire earlier this week so tiktok is owned by a company called ByteDance, and it's a chinese company that has a that basically creates a series of apps for people to use and one of the advantages of being one of the fastest growing and most powerful social media apps is you get to make bold decisions and they've made ByteDance has made the bold decision that they're going to explore building a phone that has preloaded all of their apps on it so people don't actually have to go and download TikTok it'll be preloaded onto their phone and i would assume that it's a piece of hardware that's specifically made so you can use those apps so the camera's going to be really good it, you know the interfaces are going to be geared towards getting you to use those apps and stuff like that and the reason why i brought this up is a few years ago i don't know if you guys remember facebook tried to make a phone and it was terrible and they ended up 
uh, just kind of like pulling the shoot and HTC ended up releasing it and it was nobody ever oh, bought yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. It had remember like that? the hardware Facebook button in it. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Remember <laughs> I that? About that um, so it was a, it was a bitter failure. Um, the, I'm interested in, in, in this one in particular, not because like, oh, I want to see it fail, but I actually think it's the right time for this to do this. Um, and the main reason is because there's actually a lot of hardware phone competition these days with Huawei's, with Pixels. It's not an iPhone or nothing anymore. Um, it's not a Samsung or nothing anymore. We're actually at a time where people are open to purchasing a device built for them. And if you look at the trend of TikTok, and I'm probably going to end up eating my words in this point, but it's, it, it is going to be one of the more powerful social media apps uh, or ways that people are going to be connecting soon. If not, it already is. Um, and if people are going to continue to do that, it actually makes a lot of sense to have a piece of hardware to do that. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more um, companies, like hardware companies, start to really adjust, um, I guess, the software, but also the hardware to... to accommodate the ways that we use social media or that we want to use and capture mm. content like i have the pixel 2 and i still think it takes too long to open up a camera like it still takes it's like three seconds i want it to be like half a second like it should be instant to be able to open up your camera because that's how people live nowadays is like yeah. capturing content on the go and like quickly i think back to the hardware stuff too i think people are getting bored of their phones like I don't know, you, you buy the latest and greatest Samsung, the screen, it's the full size of the phone is the screen and like that's it. Like if that's kind of like the peak where they've hit right now. Um, but there's a lot of companies coming out with different pieces of hardware. Um, like the OnePlus 7 has the pop-out camera. There's a new Asus phone that has like a flip-up camera. Mm -hmm. All the folding smartphones that are coming out as well. So it does make sense for a brand to kind of you know, get in on the loop on this stuff and start creating their own. Yeah, it's cool. I'd, I'm interested to see where this goes. I don't think I'll buy a TikTok phone anytime soon. I'm not a huge TikTok performer, but um, you know, it's interesting to see them to see like a piece of hardware being led by a piece of software. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Uh, so mine is I've talked about this a few times on here, but not directly about it. So um, it's about New York Times podcast, The Daily. Which I have talked about a few times, but I do respect the hustle just because at a time when journalism was in a weird spot, nobody really knew how to monetize it. People don't like reading the news the same way that people are getting news items from Twitter and from Facebook, which have both been proven to be sort of like murky holes to go down if you want to get your news from them. The Daily came out at a time that was just like perfect for people's desire to have a bite-sized bit of a deep dive into the day's hottest story uh, or most pre pressing stories. And it's really well formatted, uh, really well told stories, really in-depth journalism, only 20 minutes long. So great for a commute to work or something like that. And more of the reason that I brought it up is that um, just yesterday I overheard a woman in conversation who was sort of like talking about things like they were her own ideas as people do when they regurgitate news but i could tell that she had listened to it from yeah the daily like two days before because she was just like saying those same points and that's the second time that i've heard that recently so it's just like obviously we're in a I'm, I'm in a bit of an echo chamber with the people that i surround myself with to some extent the places that i go but it's still just like evidence of the power and popularity 
that this one little podcast can have that, Mm -hmm. you know, so many people are like, uh, informing their sort of decisions and worldview and politics and whatnot from from the daily. Yeah. How, because I haven't listened to it. How, uh, current or like very current yeah is it like day. something happens like the day before and then yeah. the next day within days happen. but some if there's a bit of a lull in the news cycle they do have some backups that are sort of like maybe they would have been like a um intensely researched story that dropped on the new york times maybe a month before but then they repackage it in a podcast form to fill those gaps that are still like great stories but they're not something that's like a breaking news headline from the day Mm-hmm. But then they still have a small segment, segment, maybe five minutes long. It's like a rapid fire at the end. That's, here's what else you need to know. So without taking the time to actually read the Times or you know, any other news source, you're going to have a pretty good overview of what's going on in the world, uh, the most pressing matters at least, in 25 minutes. So That's what I think uh, like I respect most about The Daily is... You can tell that they did their research and they knew the optimal amount of time um, a news story should be before it felt too long or it wasn't long enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, obviously the content's great and sometimes and like, but for some reason, like when I started listening to it, I was like, the, I was most impressed. I was like, wow, 25 minutes. That is the best timing for a podcast like this. Mm-hmm. And it's been a runaway success and I'm not really sure what has launched and what hasn't but i know that there are like five more podcasts in the can in, in the works from the new york times and at least one television show that are sort of spin-offs from the format of the daily so they just nailed something that people wanted and needed at this time thanks for listening to version control instagram everything if you like what you've heard don't forget to rate us on itunes